0: Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. Distraction. Distraction is so commonplace in our world today. We lose track of our time our passions, our calling, embracing the mundane until what's important blurs out of view. But what if we took the time to recenter, to give precedence to what really matters, to forfeit routine in pursuit of the exceptional? What if we took the time to zone in, regroup and focus? The great thing about church isn't the prettiness of church, it's the ugliness of church. The ugliness of understanding that all of us are in need of a supernatural power in our life. Do you believe that? That supernatural power, Jesus' Father believes, is from God himself. And no one is perfect, and people disappoint, and circumstances can confuse you. I can tell you, I'll be revealing to you, the last month of my life has been a little bit confusing with this broken leg. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're just getting through the holiday season. Maybe something is about to change in your life. Maybe uh, there is a, a life change happening and maybe it's a relationship issue or maybe it's a career move. Whatever it may be, there's something I wanted you to understand in that song is it's important for us to know that we were created to honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you fail at everything else in your life, but you worship God. In God's eyes, you are not a failure. And what I feel like most people do is they write New Year's resolutions, they write goals, and they, they focus on so many things that we leave out the number one focus that should be in a Jesus follower's life, and that's God Almighty himself. I can tell you there's times as a dad I fail. Not many, because I'm pretty perfect. There's times as a husband I fail. I fail. There's times as a leader, I fail. There's times as a citizen, I fail. And there's many, 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 many times as a Jesus follower, I fail. If you hear nothing else from me today, I want you to hear this word from the Lord that you may feel like a failure when it comes to being a Jesus follower. You may feel like you're not where you're supposed to be, but may I say this to you this morning, that Jesus is still there. You are still alive and he is not done with using you. So I want you to take your Bibles, and, and, and I want to emphasize that. If, if you don't bring a Bible, I, I would really challenge you to bring one, and uh, I want to make that an emphasis this year. There's many things I'll be sharing, and my heart is full. If you don't know this, I haven't really preached in a month and through a series, so uh, we're going to have a good time today. At least I am. But if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Second Timothy chapter number 2. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be in this chapter, and we won't be going through any other verse in the Bible other than this chapter, maybe some supporting verses. But 2 Timothy chapter number two, and and like I said, a a start of a new year, uh, here's an interesting stat, over 65% of all people who write a New Year's resolution by January 17th will have already stopped that New Year's resolution. Is that an encouraging word for you today? You've got to focus on the right things. People say that our um, society is not a society of focus. And I I tend to disagree with that. I think people are very focused, but I think our society are focused on the wrong things. People can do a lot. Amazing things, creative things. People can accomplish a lot. Even churches can accomplish a lot. I think about focusing on the right things. I I remember the day I broke my leg. I was so focused on golf balls and getting them up the hill that I didn't focus on the ice I was walking up, and that's how I broke my leg. We focus on the wrong things, and we don't see much traction in our life, and then we get frustrated with why our New Year's resolution or our goal or our spiritual life does not turn out the way it's supposed to be. And sometimes people get uh, uh, accused of a lack of focus, but I don't believe that's accurate. I believe we really need to understand and really need to introspect in our own life are we focusing on the right things that God wants us to focus on? According to psychology today, the most common New Year's resolution are to lose weight. Uh, that's probably one I'm focusing on. This is the first day I've not worn stretchy pants in a month and a half. I can actually wear jeans. Come on. So this is an exciting day for me. I'm sorry. But lose weight, exercise more, quit smoking. Other common resolutions include managing debt, saving money, improving one's job, educational level, taking a specific vacation, and volunteering in the community. The noun focus is defined as a center of activity, attraction, or attention. Focus is what you give attention to, a point of concentration, directed attention the verb focus is defined as to concentrate attention or effort everybody in this room in my opinion is focused on something Everybody in this room has something on their mind. They're focused on something. That could be an emotion. That could be an accomplishment. That could be a goal. That could be spirituality. That could be what they want in five years. That could be the the circumstance in front of their face. But everybody in this room is focused on something. And I just happen to believe what you feed in your mind can cover your heart. And I don't believe that we have so much an issue with focusing, but more of an issue on focusing ...on things that matter or that will make a supernatural difference in our lives. Let me give you the background of 2 Timothy before we dive into the text. 2 Timothy was written by Paul to Timothy. Paul, the Apostle Paul, if you haven't heard of him before. The Apostle Paul was a great pastor... He also had uh, people underneath him. Timothy was a, a young man that he raised up. He trained in the ministry. And near the end of Paul's life, he is writing. You can see in Timothy 1 and verse 4 through 6, you see that happening. In 2 Timothy, we learn much about the apostle as he faces the prospect of death. Paul's at the end of his life. He's going to die. And he starts retrospecting. And he starts writing encouraging letters to Timothy. And you see in this passage how he's giving wisdom. It's not without some justification that this epistle has been called Paul's swan song. Paul's last words and and its fitting climax to the life of a great apostle. What would you write in your final letter? That's what Paul was doing. What would you write to a final letter to a friend, a, a loved one? most likely you would include things that were very important that you would want the other person to remember long after you died. A final letter would be filled with things that a reader should focus on. A final letter would be uh, written on things that focus on the things that matter. And this is what I wish I wouldn't have done. And this is what I did good. And I believe this letter from Paul shows Timothy and us what really matters in our life when it comes to our focus so that we're successful in a close relationship with God and each other. You are here today because you are wanting to be closer to God. You may be here today because a family member invited you and you're wondering about the life after this. You may be here today because you have questions. You may be here today because your wife drug you through the door. You may be here today because there's free child care for 30 more minutes. I don't know why you're here, but I know that there's something in your life that brought you here. And I feel that so many people try to focus on things spiritually that they forget the main focus that God is sharing with them that will help them be successful in their spiritual life. And I want you just to write some things down as we read the scripture today. I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter number 2. As you look at 2 Timothy chapter number two, I want you to write this phrase down. Be strong in God's grace. Be strong in God's grace. I want you to see verse number one and I want you to see how Paul comes right out of the gate in this chapter. He says, you, he's talking to Timothy personally. He says, you, therefore my son. You see the affection there, the closeness what he thought of Timothy, like family. And and this is a, a pastor writing a pastor, more for ministry, but I really believe that we can take these concepts of the focus that he wanted Timothy to be on. And he says this, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If I don't read another verse, that's enough for us to talk about. He says, you, therefore, you, be strong in the grace In Christ Jesus, if you have a Bible, I got it in my Bible. I put a little square around grace. Write the word grace down. Understand the word grace and and be strong in grace. And then I want you to look at verse number two. It says, what you have heard from me and the presence of many witnesses commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Then I want you to look down at verse number seven. Verse number seven says, consider what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in every way. Don't miss this first sermon in this series because this is, I believe, the first step of focus that we have to have to draw ourselves closer to the almighty God. Paul says, you be strong in grace. It's important to know that Paul begins this section with a focus of grace. You know what we try to do even in the name of God? If we're not careful, even those in his room that want to be close to God will try and do things in our own will we'll try and do things in our own power. We'll try and do things with our morals. We'll try and do things with what we think should be like. We'll try and do things with our experiences. And we'll have good intentions. And good intentions can get you in a lot of trouble. Anybody out there, husbands, you can raise your hand. Good intentions will get you in a lot of trouble when you just live on your opinion and not on the word of God. Because he says, be strong in grace. Why? Because there's going to be times when you may make a wrong decision. There's going to be times when people may leave you or fail you. There'll be times when you say the wrong thing. There'll be times when you sin. There'll be times when you let people down. There'll be times of disappointment. There'll be times of heartache. There'll be times of death. And the only thing that can get you through this life close to Jesus is grace through Jesus himself. It's important if Paul were to leave out the concept of grace, the reader would be left to use his own willpower, determination, or strategy to accomplish the task. I am a failure without Jesus. You cannot reach the pinnacle of the spiritual life with first putting grace in the middle of your life and understanding the word gospel is good news. That it doesn't all depend on you, but on the power and might of God himself who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save you from all your sins and give you the grace to live every day of your life. While there may be times when those things are useful, all of the Christian life is based upon God's grace. Paul gave a personal testimony of this, his own experience with God's grace. I'll reference 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse nine. It says, my grace is sufficient for you. God was reminding Paul, it's not about you, it's about me. God's 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 power, God's might, God's wisdom, God's grace. And many times we get so frustrated, and even a new year, we'll be so frustrated where we're at, or we'll have all these goals we set, and we'll have this main focus on what we want to accomplish. And before we know it, even though we believe in Jesus, we leave him out of the process. And this section also ends with a promise of God's grace. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. In verse number seven, you ought to underline two words, give and understanding The Lord gives understanding. We can't live this life perfect. We can't live this life answering every question. We can't live this life understanding everything. But he says, you may not know all the answers, but don't feel like a failure. Don't feel like a fool. I can give you the understanding that no one could ever give you, even in the midst of the biggest struggle. And he promises us understanding when we cling to his grace. God promised to give Christians both strength and and the necessary understanding in verse number seven. So if you look at verse number one and verse number seven, he promises to give us grace and he promises to give understanding. How many of you think you need more grace and understanding, anybody? All of us could use more grace and understanding there's no google search that's going to give you more understanding than god there's no amount of grace that on your own you can give someone with all their imperfections if we leave god out of our life if we leave god out of church if we leave god out of our relationships eventually there will be circumstances that we can't get past because we're imperfect people and when you take out the grace of god you just have that imperfection And so Paul was specifically concerned that Timothy would pass on the teaching of Paul to other faithful Christians in verse number two. In verse number two, it says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men. He was concerned about that. While this command applies to all Christians, it specifically applied to Timothy. Timothy, his role as a pastor included the responsibility to faithfully teach the word to others. To teach God's word, our goal here at Hamilton Hills, my goal, uh, uh, seasoned Christians goal, the older men, the older women should be teaching the younger and we should be discipling through the word of God and not just our opinions. But what does God's word say? And Paul knew that Timothy would face false teachers, problems within the church, persecution from non-believers. He knew that he would have doubt. He knew that he would have to make decisions. He knew that everything wouldn't feel good because church can be messy. Christian life can be messy and we can be messy ourselves. So I want you to see the rest of the text today. I want to give you three examples of being strong in God's grace to this new year as you focus. The first thing you need to focus on if you want a new beginning in our spiritual journey this year is there's three examples Paul gives when it comes to his grace. I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number three. Look at verse number three. It says this, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please The commanding officer, also if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. If you notice the verses I read, they give three examples. And, And before I get into these examples, I want you to maybe write down a couple things that are the theme of the examples. The following example shall share several common ideas in each situation. Here's a couple. I want you to write them down. There is a specific task to be done. The commonality of every Christian in these scriptures, there is a specific task to be done. The fact that you're breathing God's air, God has something for you to do. He is not done with you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you being at Hamilton Hills. God called you here. There is a purpose for you being here. And, And the messiness of life there's a specific task to be done the task will not be easy to complete the task will not be easy to complete whatever life you're living no matter who you are he says not to compare ourselves to each other one of the worst things you can do but the task will not be easy easy happy new year the task won't be easy here's another thing endurance will be required to complete the task endurance will be required there's going to be temptations to quit there's going to be temptations to not try any longer there's going to be temptations to stop then there is a prize for those who complete the task here's the good news there's a prize there's a prize for those to complete the task and then here's the here's the last one god's grace will help us complete the task god's grace will help you complete. No matter what Timothy would face after Paul's death, Paul wanted Timothy to stay focused and faithfully serve God and to fulfill his calling. And I believe that God is sending me to a messenger to you today, no matter where you're at in life, to stay focused and focus more on God's grace, not a check mark in Bible reading. Focus more on God's grace and not who's pleased with you and who's not pleased with you. Focus more on God's grace than what is not perfect in your life and Christianity is about following King Jesus which requires all strength that his generous grace can give in verse one in particular it will involve standing out for the gospel even when it challenges the assumptions and and the practices of this world it's amazing to me all through our community. People go to church and they acknowledge God, but there's a difference in acknowledging God and fleshing out as a Jesus follower what God tells us to. So let me give you example one. Soldiers must not be distracted. Soldiers must not be distracted. One of the goals I have is to lose some of this weight that from not walking anymore that I wanna lose. And what comes in my head is, Lori's homemade chocolate cake. I can't be distracted. <laughs> Dessert. I'm like, yeah. How, how many of you have said, uh, the new year, I'll do this. The new year, I'll do this. The new year, I'll do this. But it's easy to be distracted in life. In verse 3 and 4, he mentions the soldier and he says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A soldier, a distracted soldier, would not be effective on the battlefield. There's many times as Jesus followers, we're not effective in the spiritual life because we're distracted by things, by people, by circumstances, by health issues and all concerns in life, but we get distracted and we don't focus on the grace of God who can get us through all those things and therefore we become distracted with the things in life that we are not effective as a good soldier for Jesus. This would especially be true of a distracted soldier in ancient warfare in the scripture. Involved a hand-to-hand combat. Soldiers paying attention to specific signals like flags and drums back in those days which would instruct him regarding attacking, retreating, or other maneuvers. And Paul's specific example to Timothy, a soldier who was worried about problems back at his home would not be able to focus on obeying the officer's command. He was saying, focus on the grace of God. How many of you, you don't have to answer this, but how many of you have distractions in your life that causes you to lose focus on Jesus and a relationship with him? It's easy to do. It could be as simple as paying bills. It could be as simple as uh, goals you have personally for your life. It could be as simple as the spiritual world, the physical, the relationship part of life. Whatever it is, we've got to move those distractions aside and like a good soldier, be focused on the battle and be focused in understanding that if we take our eyes off Jesus, we will fall away in our Christian life. Do you know it could be just as simple as you Retraining your focus back to the grace of God, understanding who you are in Jesus for you to be successful in your Christian life. And God's grace can keep a Christian focused on the task at hand. Here's a second example. Athletes must not cheat. Athletes must not cheat. This makes me think of around Christmas time, school is out. I don't know how many times we talk about board games. My family's kind of jaded with board games because they think I cheat. And the truth is, I just win. I always have an extra uno, draw four somewhere. I don't know where it came from, in one of my pockets. Don't judge. Focus on your own Christian life. But you look at this verse And he gives this analogy of athletes not cheating. Why does he say that? In verse 5, look with me. In verse 5, he says this. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the what? Rules. Rules. Athletic competitions were popular in the ancient world in, in these times. Athletes would train to run races And participate in other track and field type events just as athletes today there were rules in the ancient world regarding how a particular event was to be played and those who broke the rules would be disqualified many times we claim to be a follower of jesus and we are so shocked so shocked when we don't feel close to Jesus because we disqualified ourselves because we're not playing by the rules. I love emotions. I love coming in fellowship. I love the coffee. I love everything about Hamilton Hills. But if Hamilton Hills takes away the word of God, it's nothing but another club or form of activity of this world because without the directions and the rules of Jesus Christ, we cannot be successful as soldiers and as Athletes for Christ. That would have been a good time to go give you the old good cults. try there that the word of God is the most important. I'm going to sit back and let you do that for a second. Okay, maybe not. This book takes away all imperfections of man. We can get everything else wrong about this church, but we can't get this wrong. This book. And many people, shocker, who come And they get a little bit of Jesus and they say, hey, I want that. But they're not willing to play by the rules of what God has set in their own life. Not what you think the neighbor next to you should do, but what God has spoken to you to do. And when we do that, we win spiritually. Let me give you the background of this passage on athletes. Each athlete for these Olympics had to state an oath that had he had fulfilled the necessary 10 months training before he was permitted to enter the contest. And any athlete who had not subjected himself to this necessary discipline would have no chance of winning and would in fact lower the standard of the games. There were severe penalties imposed on any who infringed the rules. The issue here that Paul seems to be addressing is the temptation to try and find an easy way To win, an easy way to win. I believe there's times as a pastor where I need to speak to you about certain things. There's times you come to church and you need to cry it out. There's times you come to church and and, and we need to love each other, hug each other. We need to talk about felt needs. We need to talk about the distractions of this world. We need to talk about different things. But my friend, it's important for us to have a good dose of God's word to understand that his word is perfect. His word does not return void. And when we play by the rules that God has set, we will win on our spiritual journey. And so mention, as we mentioned ways in which people currently Cheat in sports. Athletes, they cheat. An epidemic with with things getting tested for drugs and substance substances, and athletes lying about their name or age to play on youth teams. i volunteer and help coach basketball, and I used to coach it a lot in in Vegas and uh, in high school. And you look at some some of the players, you're like, man, are, are they really in high school? Anybody ever thought of that? Anyway. That's, that's a struggle for me. Are they cheating? Are they, that guy looks really big and he's got a full beard to his knees and uh, I don't know if he's 18. <laughs> the point is this. The worst thing you can do in your spiritual journey, you may be confused right now. You may be here because you're looking for a feeling but I will tell you this, when you stand by God's word, your emotions will catch up. Your emotions will catch up. When you do the right thing according to scripture, it will catch up with you. You've got to play by the rules. Here's, here's the last thing. Farmers must not quit too soon. Farmers must not quit too soon. Look at verse number six. Verse number six says the hard working farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. What does that mean? He was giving an example to Timothy. He was trying to bring it down to Timothy's level and he was saying, hey, as a farmer, you should get the first share of the crops. But while some scholars see Paul's instruction in verse 6 as referring to Timothy's right to take a paycheck from his congregation, there is also teaching that can be applied to all Christians who work at serving Jesus. Farming in the ancient world was very difficult work. It's difficult work today. A farmer also would have faced many challenges such as bad weather, pest, plant disease, theft, or harm to the crops from his enemies. There would have been a lot of days that a farmer may have been tempted to give up. A lot of days that you don't see the the fruit of your labor. A lot of days you don't see anything coming up from the ground. A lot of days that there's setbacks with the crops. Some crops, they're, they're rotten, you can't use, and you work so hard. And sometimes it seems like, what's the use of all this labor? We can't even make ends meet. We can't pay the bills. And he was saying to Timothy, just like a farmer, it takes time to produce. And it takes time to get food. And it takes hard work to see the fruit of your labor. I'm saying to the Christian this morning, you may not see the fruit of your labor at this time in your life. But don't quit too soon. Don't quit on that husband too soon. Don't quit on that marriage too soon. Don't quit on those children too soon. Don't quit on that wind too soon. God has a plan, He has a purpose right where you're at. And you may not understand it. You may be confused. You may be frustrated. And you may want out of the circumstance. My friend, I tell you, don't quit too soon until you see that crop. You look at this passage of scripture if a person gives up, the lawn will have weeds. I've enjoyed mowing the lawn. Some of you laugh at me about this, but I'm even already thinking about my lawn, getting it ready for spring. Anybody else out there? Okay, fine, whatever. I'm still gonna use this analogy. Man, if you give up on things in life, the weeds can just start sprouting up. The first sign of heartache, confusion, or it's tough to live the Christian life, you can start to give up. The flowers will die. The vegetables will not be enjoyed. God's grace can help Christians to keep working until the task is done. And my point in this passage of scripture and is to give you these examples. And understand Paul was saying this. He was saying, Timothy, your focus needs to be on the grace of God before anything else. Because if you try and do this life all on your own willpower, and if you try and do this life with people, and and you think life isn't going to be messy, or you think circumstances aren't going to change, and you think relationships aren't going to change, then you are going to fail when it comes to the spiritual world. And if I could give you a word of encouragement this morning, that God has a plan for your life, but don't miss it on focusing on things that won't last for eternity. Focus on your relationship with God through his grace of his son, Jesus Christ, understanding that all things may pass away, but his word will not pass away. And he is faithful. Do you believe that? Sin causes confusion. Let's be real. Anybody ever sin and it caused confusion? does. It's a broken world. Distraction, sin causes us to be distraction. A lack of focus in a person's spiritual life, that's what sin causes. The gospel tells us that God sent Jesus to save people and give them a person, purpose, a mission in life. Those who believe the gospel should seek to focus on, on God's mission for them. And many people feel frustrated and confused this time of year. Many people feel frustrated and confused with their spiritual journey. But my friend, if you would stop focusing on what other people's success are spiritually and focus on your own life of God's grace, you will eventually see success in your spiritual life. Well, this may lead to hope and, and optimism. I believe that it can lead to frustration. And failure, when we write New Year's resolutions down, we write goals down, but we don't focus on the right things. I just wanna give you three questions to leave you here with. I'm being very practical today, going right through 2 Timothy 2. I want you to think about this as you think about a new year. I wanna give you three questions. What areas of my life need to be refocused? What are they? Where do you need to start depending on God's grace more than trying to change the circumstance? Some of you have children you're so concerned about. My youngest son just got his permit this week. In the name of Jesus, would you pray for me? (laughs) Life change we try and control. What do you need to refocus? How can I make the necessary changes to refocus? How can you do it? How can this concept be applied to my family, my friends, and my church? How can we focus on grace Because God tells us we need family. We need each other as friends. We need our church. Here's a second one. Am I being strong in God's grace today? Only you can answer that question. Have I given up? Am I feeling burned out because I'm trying to serve God through my willpower alone? What circumstance of your life has changed? You were in your sweet spot. For years you felt good about serving the Lord and something happened. Let let, let me give you a little bit into my life with this broken leg. I apologize if you're tired of me saying broken leg, but I'm gonna say broken leg because it's a broken leg. But many of you know this past year, God really moved in my life, in my quiet time, my prayer life. And I used to walk four miles a day praying. As a matter of fact, the day I broke my leg, I was on a treadmill because it was cold, walking and praying, and I looked down and saw the golf balls. I got off the treadmill 15 minutes early to go down and get golf balls. When I got those golf balls, of course, I broke my leg. And I've coughed and wondered God, I've had the sweetest time with you in prayer through this perfect time of walking that circle for almost four miles a day i i I wish i could tell you i was a great christian at the moment i broke my leg you're going to be very disappointed in your lead pastor you may even want to take a vote right now i was mad like going into christmas season these sermons i was so pumped about i was so pumped about my walk with god And for the first week after that surgery, I was one upset dude. It was a struggle to pray. Anybody else ever struggled to pray? Anybody, just me, you're all just Apostle Pauls. It was a struggle to pray. Confusion in my life, like, Lord, we had this routine, we talked together, we walked together, and we forget that just as excited as Jesus is about you walking with him, is just as fierce as the enemy of God wants to distract you and take you out. So you're not effective for the kingdom of God. Paul was saying, distractions are going to come. You better be focused on the grace of God. And I've had to change my intimacy and how I do things in my routine because of this broken leg. And it's been great. Not at first, but maybe your circumstance changed. And You're distracted and you're upset and you're trying to figure it out and and God's saying, hey, 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 focus on me, not your circumstance. Focus on me, not your health. Focus on me and not your problems. Focus on me and not what people say you are. Focus on me. There's a last one. Are there any specific areas of my life in which I'm failing to be like the soldier, like the athlete or the farmer that Paul described in 2 Timothy 2? If so, how, how can you change that? How can you change to be more like the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, whichever analogy fits in your life? I want to tell you something next Sunday in this broken leg, I said it again, has made me not be able to prepare as much as I wanted for this Sunday. But starting next Sunday, I want to lead us through 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now I said the word fasting and I lost 90% of you. Every Sunday evening, starting next Sunday, I'll be doing a Facebook Live, a devotion for the week, and a prayer time on Facebook Live. My understanding, because I don't have Facebook, is Facebook Live, then you'll be able to go back and watch it if you cannot be on at that time. I know we're making this available to some small groups meet on Sunday night or whatever and and, I want to share about fasting and prayer. I believe if this church, think about this, before you make any big decisions spiritually, I'm going to challenge you. Join me for 21 days of prayer and fasting and see if God doesn't change your life. I give you a money back guarantee that when you're intimate with God, He's going to show up. Could you think, just this service, not the next one, just this service of everybody in this room, 21 days of prayer and fasting before you made a decision about your life. What would God do through you? So the next 21 days, this week, if you're not signed up for our emails, if you don't get our newsletters, get them because I'll be writing some things to you to get you prepared for this and then I'll be talking about it next week and together... We embark into that twenty one days of prayer and fasting and, and I'll explain that. And when I say fasting, I want you just to think of this and I'll explain it more. But maybe you can give up social media for twenty-one days. Give up dessert, give up caffeine, give up handles, give up Sundays. Some of you go to Sunday, I don't know why you do that, but give up handles and Sundays. That was a joke. Come on, people. I want you to think through that. What can you give up? Get God's attention and for you to have God's attention and And vice versa. And for us to really prepare our lives for 2019. Would you bow your heads right there? Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.